In case you've forgotten, she's Tori. <laughs> and he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files podcast. Season 4. Episode 19. Thinkrony. Yeah, it's been a while. It has been a while. My goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. We're working on it. We're working on it. We are. Life is, you know, it's unrelenting. But I had a COVID do? rebound, and so we didn't record when we were going to record. And, uh, yeah. So yep. we're back, Jack. We are. Yay. This episode is a Monster of the Week episode and originally aired on Sunday, April 13th, 1997 at 9 p.m. Between this episode and the last episode, Max. Which we recorded like two months ago. I know. It's been so long. It's been so long. It's kind of kind of wild to think about, but hey. Yeah. Kind of embarrassing, actually. <laughs> it happens. You it's got COVID over, it's, twice. It's been over a year since we started season four. I know. We, we're getting through it. Okay. It's the process. We'll get there. We'll get there. We're almost there. Between this and the last episode, Max, Fox aired repeats of Miracle Man, which was season one, episode 18, on March 30th, and Enrue, which was season four, episode four. Wow, that does feel like a really long time ago that we recorded <laughs> that. That was in my old apartment, and I just signed a new lease. So just... yep. yep. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> that was on April 6th. In this episode, Mulder and Scully investigate a series of deaths that involve a chemical reaction that doesn't exist. Yet. <gasps> it was filmed in British Columbia, Canada, and it was written by Howard Gordon and David Greenwald and was directed by James Charleston. David Greenwald is most known to me as a writer and co-executive producer on Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel. He wrote eight episodes of Buffy in the first three seasons, which are, in my opinion, the best three seasons. He uh, wrote School Hard, which is one of the best episodes, and that is the episode that introduces Spike and Drew. So that's a good one. He also wrote 15 episodes of Angel. I read that he actually was going to be a writer on the X-Files, but then took the Buffy job instead. Oh, interesting. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that he wrote School Hard because that's one of my favorite episodes. So, yay. yeah. And apparently Howard Gordon like became an executive producer or co-executive producer and like a script editor on Buffy and Angel as well, which is why okay. they know each other, I guess. So I can see that. Yeah. This is the third of four X-Files episodes that Charleston will direct. He directed Avatar in season three and Toliko earlier this season. He also directed two episodes of season one of Millennium, Blood Relatives, and Wide Open, Ooh. which we have already covered and you can listen to. Yeah. If you're curious. A long time ago. I thought like Toliko was <laughs> also my old apartment. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. I don't even know. This has been a hell of a year. It has been a long <laughs> freaking year. All righty. So, Massachusetts Institute of Technology. No made-up, like, Boston Institute or Washington Institute. We're using the real stuff now. MIT. An older man runs across the campus, and from one of the clocks on the campus, we can see that it is 1140 at night. He seems agitated as he reaches a walkway. Then he sees two younger men, Lucas and Jason, coming towards him, and they are having an argument. The man rushes up to them and grabs Lucas, saying he needs to talk to them and that the street ahead is dangerous. The men insist that they'll be fine and walk on, continuing their argument. The older man says he's traveled a long way, and he grabs Lucas and says he's trying to save his life. Jason pulls him off Lucas, and then Lucas drops all his stuff, and then he starts bending down to pick it up. And also, it's raining, so like it's just getting all wet, just so you know. And also, Lucas seems kind of like a dick. Anyway. <laughs> he does seem like a dick. I feel bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he does. A campus cop comes up and asks what the problem is, and they say the old guy is harassing them. And then um, the old man is like, Lucas is going to die at 1140. Well, he doesn't say Lucas. He doesn't say his name, but he basically tells Lucas that he's going to die at 1146. And the bus. And then the cop drags him away, 
And the old man is like, Jason, don't let him die. Don't let him cross the street. He's going to drop his papers and he won't see the bus. And then the guard shoves the guy in the car. Then Jason is like, how did he know my name? And Lake Lucas is like, I don't know. And I don't care. And he keeps walking. And Jason <laughs> chases after him. But then Lucas is like, we got nothing left to talk about. And he just keeps on going. So Jason turns down the street and he's walking in a different direction. And then he sees this bus turn the corner and he looks back down at the street at Lucas and he's like, the bus is heading towards Lucas. And he looks at his watch, and it's 11.45. So he starts running towards Lucas. Lucas. It's not slow motion, but it should be that. It's really awesome. Anyway, and then Lucas is trying to, like, open his umbrella with his teeth. And he's, like, holding all his books and his papers. And then he drops them all in the gutter, and they get all super wet in front of this parked van. And so Jason sees that, and he's running, Lucas. And then Lucas bends down to pick up some paper in the street. And he walks right out in front of the bus, and... Boom, he gets hit by the bus. Mm -hmm. And then the driver gets out and is like, you pushed him in front of the bus, which he didn't know. The driver's probably just trying to cover his ass. And then Lucas is lying in the street bleeding. And then Jason looks at his watch again, and it's 11.46. <gasps> oh, no, his prediction came true. Yeah. Also, I felt really bad for Jason because, like, they're having this argument about some academic paper and stealing credit or something. So he mm -hmm. has motive and then the driver's just like, you pushed him. And it's like, wait, what? No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we hear them talking about, like, it's like, you know, you can't do that. It's illegal. And just all, so you kind of, something's going on. So, you know, there's something, some, yeah, someone is yeah. doing something wrong with some kind of study and is trying yeah. to pin it on. Yeah. And then it's the X Files theme song X Files, X Files, X Files. Doo -doo -doo. How that goes. Yep. The old man is played by Michael Fairman, who's had a long career and been in a lot of stuff including a long run on The Young and the Restless, which is a soap opera. So he was on that for a very long time. Probably He's where I been... recognize him from, honestly. Yeah, I, my mom used to watch it, so probably probably me too. <laughs> He's also been in episodes of Boy Meets World, Bones, Monk, and many others. Yeah. And he actually does have a name besides the old man, but we will get to that later. Mm -hmm. It'll come up. Yeah. You'll learn. Yeah. Just be patient. Be patient. <laughs> Like you haven't already been patient waiting for us yeah. to come back with X-Files. This episode is not almost 30 years old. So yeah, not a problem. So then we see Scully is looking at photos of Lucas's body. Mulder tells her that's Lucas Menand, a postdoctoral fellow at MIT. He was a bright and promising researcher until he was hit by a bus. Scully reads the report and asks, according to the bus driver, it was no accident? Mulder says the driver claims Lucas was pushed by a suspect named Jason Nichols, an associate professor of biology and Manan's academic advisor. Scully says the report claims they were arguing that night, but Jason has refused to say about what. Mulder says it sounds like a motive, but then he asks if she'd like to hear his alibi. He plays a tape of Jason in the interrogation room where Jason says that if he wanted to kill Lucas, that isn't how he would have done it. He was trying to save him. He talks about the old man who warned them that it would happen, and he even knew Jason's name. Scully is dubious, but Mulder says he goes on to tell a convincing narrative, and he gave a detailed description of the old man, who did exist and who was arrested by campus security, and he was overheard trying to warn Jason even as he was driven away. So the security guard, like overheard all of that and reported it so they know like mm -hmm. jason's not making this up that's pretty solid that's pretty good for jason not that it'll matter because our court system is a mess but you know <laughs> <laughs> billy asks if anyone's talked to the old man Mulder says no she asks if anyone's talked to the campus security officer Mulder says that they can't because he's dead <gasps> she asks of what dun, dun, dun. it's a cold case not yet but well, it will be. Anyway. It will be. <laughs> Boston Medical Examiner's Office, 11.35 a.m. Mulder and Scully talk to the medical examiner who says he hasn't been able to make a definitive determination as to the cause or time of death. There's been some disagreement with how to proceed. And Scully is like, you mean with the autopsy? And he says, yes, mostly whether they should cut or saw. And he pulls a plastic sheet off the body, and the man is frozen solid. <laughs> he was found inside his patrol car with a bottle of gin. 
but the temperature was 28 degrees, and his internal temperature was 15 degrees. And then as they're talking, Scully puts a little thermometer in his ear, and now it's 8 degrees, so he's actually getting colder. <gasps> and I'm wondering, how did they get him out of the car without breaking parts of him off? Cause... No kidding, right? Because <laughs> he's like in a seated, like almost like he was holding the steering wheel and then like seated, and you're like, how did you get him out of that car? Anyway. Mulder asks what Scully thinks, and she says it seems like he was exposed to some kind of refrigerant agent like liquid nitrogen. Mulder wants to talk to Jason to see if he can shed any light on it. Dun, dun. I mean, that would have been my first guess, too, because it looks like he got dipped in a giant thing of liquid nitrogen. So. Right, yeah. It is funny, though, because from scene to scene, they keep cutting back and forth. And because he's, like, on a table and there's a bright light, and then obviously there is also, like filming lights because this is a tv show um at different points he is more or less frozen and sometimes he is just wet because the lights are melting whatever they put on him that look like ice is kind of funny anyway <laughs> then we're at the sixth precinct and it's 12 22 p.m and Mulder's had a window looking in on jason who's talking to a woman we'll find out this is lisa his girlfriend and associate when they see Mulder, she tells jason she'll call him as soon as she can and she's going to talk to a lawyer, and then she leaves. And the Mulder sits down across from Jason and thanks him for seeing him because he knows that his lawyer advised against it. Jason says he just wants to talk to someone who can tell them that they'll find the old man. And Mulder tells him the man who detained the old man is now dead. And Jason asks if they're going to try and blame that one on him, too. Mm-hmm. Mulder says the man died, and he says he like, was flash frozen. And Jason gets super upset, thinking Mulder's trying to mess with his head. And then Mulder's like, does this have something to do with your dispute with Lucas? And Jason says that Lucas threatened his reputation, saying he'd go public on a claim that he falsified data on his research paper. And Mulder asks if he did. And Jason says, no, the theory was sound. If my interpretation of data was a little lax, it's because I was under pressure to produce results. His grant is up for renewal. And Lucas knew how damaging those allegations would be. And then Mulder asks if Lucas was up for the same grant. And Jason mm-hmm. kind of stops for a minute, and then he nods that he was. And then Mulder asks what this research grant would have funded. And Jason pauses again and says, to study the effects of freezing temperatures on biological systems. Ooh. And then Tori has a note here that says, Mulder makes a face I can only describe as giddy that these pieces are connected like a man at his yarn wall who has finally had a breakthrough. Yeah. No, he looks really happy to hear that because <laughs> it does. It connects the dots. Like he's like, oh, I was studying freezing and temperatures on biological systems. And Mulder is just like super excited about it. So anyway, Mulder likes it when all the pieces come together. I don't blame him. Yeah. Then his phone rings and he leaves the room to answer it. And it's Scully. Surprise, surprise. Because who else called Mulder? Nobody called Mulder except for Scully. <laughs> Pretty much. Scully says they may be filing a second murder charge against Jason. His right thumbprint was on the guard uniform, and his prints also matched the one from the interior of the patrol car. <gasps> Uh-oh. How did That's they get inside good. the patrol car? The only person inside the patrol car who put their hands all over the windows was the old man. Interesting. That's weird. That is very weird. So then we're at the Hotel James Monroe, and it's 6.05 p.m. The front desk clerk tells a man that there's nothing else they can do. He says that his name is Yonichi. She's unable to find a reservation under his name, and she can't help him. And then we see the old man, the one who was trying to warn Lucas. And he says, Dr. Yonichi? He tells him there's been a misunderstanding and that his assistant made a reservation at the wrong hotel, so he came here to assure that Yonichi got a room. Yonichi's like, you're not Dr. Nichols. The old man apologizes that Jason wasn't able to come meet him himself. Yonichi asks who he is, and he says, a great admirer of your work. Which, it's never good. It's never good when someone doesn't give you a name and they just tell you they're like an admirer or something. You were deflecting the question. Yeah, also, Jason Nichols is an associate professor, so he would not be a doctor yet. Yeah, I don't know. A bellhop lets Yonichi into his room and the old man stands in the doorway, looking a little under the weather. Yonichi asks if he's sick, and he says no, but he accepts the offer of some water. Yonichi's getting him some water from the tap when the old man enters the bathroom and tells him the reservation mix-up was actually his fault. 
but he owes Yonichi so much. And Yonichi's like, for what? The man says for his contribution to his work. He figured out the problem with vitrification, to which Yonichi says no one has solved that yet. But the old man tells him that he solved it by substituting the water with sugar. It changed everything. He grabs Yonichi's hand and injects him with something. Yonichi <gasps> drops the glass he was holding and he stares at him, confused. The old man apologizes, but says this is the only way. And then we see Yonichi is starting to freeze. No, no! And then it's commercial. Yep. What I... So this... They did a pretty good job because they like we see the hand and then mm-hmm. they kind of do like a desaturation on it. So it looks like it's like losing color, which is pretty cool. But then they do a cut to like him holding his hand going like, ah, and it's like he's wearing a white glove. They kind of overdid it. It's kind of funny. What would have been awesome, though, from what we'll learn later, was if they had somehow got him to have like cold breath come out. You know, like when you oh, breath. Oh, yeah, yeah, That would have been be super cool. sweet. But anyway, they didn't. But yeah, it's commercial. They did not. Yonichi is played by Hiro Kanagawa, who played Tanaka in Firewalker. He'll also appear in one more episode of The X-Files in Season 10. From Firewalker to Iced Water. I don't know. That sounded <laughs> better in my head than it did in real life. But uh. Also, I feel bad for this guy as an actor because as Yonichi, he's using this really bad, like, halted english japanese accent stuff and we know he doesn't mm-hmm. talk like that so that must have been rough yeah, yeah. Oh, that's not good later yonichi is frozen in front of the bathroom sink and scully stares at the body Mulder comes in and tells her that the bellhop said yonichi was accompanied by a man in his 70s and his description was verified by the desk clerk they're working with a sketch artist scully says it sounds like jason nichols has an accomplice Mulder agrees that it sounds like that. Mm. Gully says Jason is trying to eliminate his competitors. Mulder asks, what if he's actually being set up? But Scully points out he's a cryobiologist. He freezes things for a living. How many people could do this? Mulder says anyone who's up for that grant money could. Scully shows him a spectra analysis that shows Yonichi had a spot of blood on his hand something that might have been caused by a hypodermic needle. She found the same thing on the security guard. As for what was injected, no one at the lab will hazard a guess, but it seems to be some kind of unidentifiable chemical compound. Mulder asks if it was a lethal injection, and Scully says that he should ask Jason, but he tells her there's someone else he wants to talk to first. (gasps) Who could it be? Oh, I don't know. Then we're at the biomedical research facility, and it's 10.22 p.m. We're assuming at MIT. Mulder and Scully find Lisa Yanelli working. This is Jason's girlfriend from earlier, and she remembers Mulder because he's cute. Anyway, <laughs> Scully introduces herself and shows her the spectra analysis. She's like, where did you get that? And Scully's like, do you recognize it? And Lisa's reluctant to talk, but Scully says, you can either tell us or we can subpoena you. Either way, we'll find out what you know. Scully's playing bad cop. Mm -hmm. She says it's a catalyst for a self-sustaining endothermic reaction, a rapid freezing agent, something Jason's been working on for years. She explains that when you freeze something, it creates ice crystals, which shred the cells from the inside. But this system creates a glass-like structure instead, so the cell can survive being thawed at least according to Jason's theory. Scully asks if this is something Jason has been testing, but Lisa says it doesn't exist yet outside of a computer model. So far, the work is mostly generating virtual chemicals on the computer, and then she shows them one on the computer, and we see that it's similar to the one on the spectra. And Scully asks if it's possible that he could have synthesized this compound without her knowing about it, and she's like, not even remotely. Technology to engineer this is still five to ten years away. They tell her the compound was found inside a man who was frozen solid. And Lisa's like, there must be some kind of mistake. Scully adds a second man was found frozen solid as well in his heated hotel room, Mulder adds. 
Holder's got to get into dramatic details. Like, <laughs> yeah. Also, he needs to get in this conversation. There's a cute lady here, and he's like, hey. <laughs> anyway, Lisa asks when it happened, and they tell her that it was about two hours ago, and she's like, he might still be alive. <gasps> <gasps> Whoa. Yeah. So basically, cryogenics, right? Because that's the whole point of it, right? But they always have yeah. trouble with that because they freeze you, and then your cells get messed up. Like, if you ever tried to, like, freeze lettuce, it doesn't go well. Yeah, we've talked about that in the episode about um, cryogenic freezing. I forget which one that was, but that would have been Roland, that. probably. Roland, yeah. We talked well, about I know, how, like, well, I know Heads got frozen in that one, but I don't yeah, know. I think that was the one where we talked about how, like, you know, if you put meat in the freezer, eventually the ice crystals shred it and you can't revive it. Yeah, there the was another way. one I think, though, that had liquid nitrogen, too, and I don't remember which one it was. Been a while. So Lisa is played by Susan Lee Hoffman. She was familiar to me, but she doesn't have a ton of credits. She was in one episode of Angel, and she wasn't even credited in that, which I thought was funny. She did play Dr. Lisa Aronson in the movie Outbreak, which I have seen, but not for like a very long time. So I don't know if that's where I recognized her or maybe from Angel. I don't know how big that role was, but I don't know. She looks familiar, but she's got one of those, like she has distinctive features. That yeah. other people also have, I think. And yeah. so it might it might be that. That might, like, yeah. Which sounds weird to say she has distinctive features that other people also have. And then that's not the very distinctive. But, you know, but... it's kind of a, it's a certain look that you've yeah. seen, especially yeah. on TV. So. Yeah. so then we cut to Yunichi in a bath of some kind of yellow liquid with his face sticking out. Lisa stands over him, touching his cheek, and she asks what his temperature is. Her medical assistant says his core temperature is up to 97 degrees. Lisa says they should take him out and try to resuscitate him, so they move him to a table. Scully is so pessimistic about this. She's like, it's not going to work. I just, just keep it to yourself, Scully. It's fine. <laughs> just let them try. If he's dead, he's dead, but it's not going to, you know, come on. That's what Mulder says. He's like, not going to hurt anything. Yeah, basically, yeah. His body temperature was eight degrees. The lowest ever survived by a human being on record is like 70 degrees. So she's convinced he's toast, but you know. Or the opposite of toast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a popsicle. She assumes he's a popsicle. They attach him to monitors, inject him with something, and use paddles to try and start his heart. After a few tries, his heartbeat returns and he wakes up. <gasps> He's struggling as if trying to talk, and Scully tells him he has a tube down his throat and not to fight the machine. But he continues to struggle, and his core temperature continues to rise, and then it rises to 106. Lisa is confused, and she says it can't be right. They keep trying to help him, but then he bursts into flames. Damn. I know. Got really hot. Shit. Yeah. I think it would have been funny if Scully went over to him. like She's all like, don't try to talk. We've got a tube down your throat. And been like... You're not really alive. This can't work. You're dead. <laughs> Be quiet. <laughs> Later, firefighters are all over the lab, and Yonichi's body is burned on this lab. That rhymed. Ooh. Scully <laughs> asks Lisa what could have caused such a violent reaction. Lisa doesn't know. Her only guess is that the compound used to freeze him was unstable. Scully guesses raising his body temperature may have catalyzed the opposite reaction. Lisa now questions if they should have removed him from the bathtub. She thinks if they left him in there, they might have saved him. Mulder thinks the real question now is how someone has access to a compound that doesn't yet exist. Lisa says she needs to talk to Jason. Mm, the stuff is like that, that stuff you put in the microwave or you can freeze it. And like, so it's like, it's like cold pack or it can be hot pack. It's like, got oh, both yeah, yeah. it's like both of them. It can be super cold or it can make you catch on fire. So. Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. Crazy. Anyway, so Lisa's riding the bus, doo, 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 and then she notices an old man behind her on the bus, and he's not totally looking at her and looking away when she looks at him, so not suspicious at all. And then she gets off the bus, and the old man exits at the same stop, and then he's following her down the street, and then she's at like this little market fair thing, and she sees him behind her in a mirror. And then so then she runs into a building and he goes through that door and she goes up the stairs and he goes up the stairs and then he, she goes through another door and she follows through that door. But she was hiding. And so when he walks by, she's like, who are you? And he's like, oh, he got busted. And then she followed him and says, why are you following me? And he's like, actually, you're following me. So he's smart ass. And then 
she says that you're the man Jason saw and that she knows that he killed the security guard and Dr. Unichi. And then he turns around and he says, and I can kill you. And he grabs her by the wrist and she's like, let go. And he pulls out that little thing that he's been jabbing people with. And he's like, I came here to kill you. And she's like, who are you? And then he looks sad and he lets go over and he leaves. And it's a commercial. So hmm. that was weird. That was very weird. Yeah. This also is where I kind of like was like, oh, come on, because uh, you if you haven't figured it out yet, people, okay, come on, I get it, maybe you haven't. But, yeah, um, I mean, I kind of knew it right away when he's like chasing them down in the yeah, teaser. But it but seems yeah. like in this scene particularly, because they're like so close to each other and they're talking, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, or at least I will, um, that there should have been some level of recognition here from her. Um, it's going to happen later. Strangely, it ha where it happens is very weird, but. It seems like there should have been something going on here. But anyway. Yeah. I guess maybe if people are like grabbing you and threatening to kill you, maybe you don't think about that kind of stuff at the point. But yeah, yeah it's possible. You're just not yeah. looking closely. You're just kind of in panic mode and not really paying attention. I don't know. Yeah. So later we come back from the commercial and Lisa is telling Mulder and Scully about the encounter and how he hurt her wrist and she's got bruises there. So apparently he's super strong too. I don't know, maybe normal people can do that. I don't know, that seems excessive. But anyway, she tells Scully that he told her that he could kill her, and that's why he was following her, and that he threatened her with a medical instrument. And Scully's asks her if she's leaving anything out. And then Lisa's like, I'm the one who falsified the grant data. Jason is covering for me. He's in jail <gasps> because of me. Oh, no. Lisa, so, what are you doing? Yeah. Why would you falsify grant data? So she can get grant money. That's I why. know, I know. Yeah. Our system is so ridiculous, but yeah, it puts a lot of pressure on people. I'm not saying that's okay, but I get it, I guess. No, I think she's, we'll learn later, she's an evil scientist. Anyway, Mulder is like, that's what he can't tell anyone? And Scully says, but people like Yonichi and Lucas would have figured it out. And Lisa's like, no, it's not what you think. Scully asks if she knows who the old man is, and Lisa's like, I swear, I don't. And Scully says that Jason must, because this old man is doing what Jason can't, protecting her secret. And Lisa says he swore he would never tell a soul. And Scully is like, well, if he'd lie for you, why wouldn't he lie to you? <laughs> Which I'm not sure that logic actually works, but okay, I get it. I get what she's trying to say, but like a liar. Yeah, I don't lie, think it does either, but, but it, it does sound like something you tell a girlfriend who's dating a particularly unpleasant person. But like, it just, yeah, yeah like liars are going to lie. So why do you think he's not lying to you? But also, the reason why he's lying is because he loves her so much. So why would he lie to her? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, yeah. It's problematic logic, but hey, that's not the first it time is. that's ever happened on the X Files. So yeah. No, it's not. Anyway, Mulder pulls Scully aside and says, that doesn't make much sense. So basically he agrees with us. And he said, why would the old man threaten her if he's the one protecting her secret? And Scully's like, it's Jason's secret too. Maybe the old man is protecting Jason. And Mulder's like, with a medical instrument? And Scully concedes it's an odd choice of murder weapon. And Mulder wonders if it's meant for some other purpose. <gasps> and just it's a murder weapon by happenstance. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. So a police officer comes up to them and lets Mulder know that they've been canvassing the area and a hotel clerk a few blocks away thinks they've spotted their suspect. The hotel is called the Lighthouse. Mulder tells the officer to make sure Lisa gets home safely. Lisa is studying the sketch of the old man and seems to realize something. <gasps> the sketch is, uh, I'm guessing that's the one like from the hotel because the hotel people were doing a sketch because it would be uh -huh. really fast for her to do one but it it doesn't look like a sketch it looks like a comic book drawing it looks like a, almost like a caricature and it's just so yeah. funny that's what she's suddenly gonna recognize anyway well caricatures do rely on your most prominent features i, I guess I don't know. i'm not sure it particularly looks like the guy that they got <laughs> acting in this scene to be honest with you but uh yeah okay whatever works x files at the lighthouse a residential hotel Mulder and scully knock on a door there's no answer, so they open it with a key. So they must have talked to somebody and gotten the key. The room looks empty and unused. Scully does find a note about a flight on a notepad. Mulder finds a photo of Jason, Lisa, and Dr. Yonichi celebrating with champagne. Scully asks when it was taken and what they're celebrating. Mulder says something that never happened. <gasps> and he stands up. Oh my gosh. <laughs> 
Scully's like, what? And she follows him out of the room. And she's like, this is a photo, meaning it documents something that did, in fact, happen. Mulder says it's documenting a future that someone is trying to prevent from happening. And Scully's like, what? She's just like, what are you talking about? Mulder says if Lucas never gets hit by the bus, his complaint is heard by the grant committee. Jason loses funding and never gets to collaborate with Yonichi. Since the old man couldn't save Lucas's life, he had to kill Yonichi. He believes the photo was taken at least five years in the future when they synthesized the first compound. The elevator is slow, so they take the stairs, while Scully says that the compound does exist because it killed two people. Mulder says only because the old man brought it with him. And Scully's like, from where? From when, Mulder <laughs> So funny. Scully's like, you're not seriously suggesting this man is from the future. Mulder says it explains why he knew Lucas was going to die, how Jason's prints ended up inside the patrol car, and how he knew Lisa's secret. And Scully realizes that he's saying the old man is Jason Nichols. <gasps> Whoa. Mulder talks about how time travel is not ruled out by the laws of quantum physics. Words Scully herself wrote in her graduate thesis. He really shoves that graduate thesis in her <laughs> face as much as he can. It's pretty great. And then he says, you were a lot more open-minded when you were a youngster. She says the limits of human endurance would prevent such a trip from happening. He says there's one way to prove it. Ask Lisa if the photo was ever taken. Oh, you can't trust her. She lies all the time. True. It's true. So back at the lighthouse, old man Jason arrives in his room and he looks exhausted and messed up. And inside the room, he injects himself with the same tool that he injected Yunichi with and threatened Lisa with. But rather than freezing him, it appears to make him feel better. Hmm. Mm, interesting. The door opens and Lisa comes in. And she's like, Jason, I don't understand how this is possible. And he tells her that she made it possible. And she's like, how? And he tells her that 30 years ago, 10 years from now, She'll be at a conference in Zurich. She'll meet a man who just discovered the first evidence of subatomic particles that can travel faster than the speed of light and go back in time, but only for a few seconds and only at a temperature of absolute zero. And then she'll have a revelation, one so remarkable, it will change the course of history. And she's like, you said you came back to kill me. And he tells her that he couldn't do it. And she moves towards him. And while she's looking at him, they like hold each other's hand. And she's like, oh, you're cold. And then he stabs her in the wrist with that medical injector thing. And she's like, oh. <gasps> and then he lays her on the ground and she starts freezing. And it's commercial. Oh, man. Yep. So that's how he keeps from burning up, I think. Because oh, you travel back gets... in time, because you overheat. And so since they had to do the absolute zero thing, he's actually using That's why he gets all, he looks like shit for a while, and then he's fine, and he looks like shit, and then he's fine. It's because he's got to freeze himself. Oh, and that makes sense. Just, I was a little confused what was going on. And then I it also kills people, right? Himself, so Mulder yeah. was right. It's actually intended for something else, but it does work as a murder weapon. Mm -hmm. Unless you traveled through time. Yeah, I don't know. It's a little sketchy, the science here. It, it, yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, to be fair, David Greenwald will also be in charge of some of the angel time travel nonsense, the, the mm. alternate dimension I don't, where uh, Fred was. I don't even remember how most of that shit worked, but I know the logic was pretty sketchy. So, yeah. I mean, you know, if you talk to people in, like, the early times about science we have now, they'd be like, that sounds sketchy. But, it's true, you know, so, it's true. You know, that is... Yeah. An excellent point, although this is not real science. But, yeah. Well, we don't know. It hasn't happened yet. I mean, according to this, like this time thing, I was thinking it would be like now is when he was from, but it actually would be from 10 years in the future because they talk okay. about, he says, 30 years from now, okay. 10 so years we're not quite, in the future. So we're yeah, not quite yeah, there yet. Not quite there yet. I think, I don't know. The math gets hard when you talk about time travel. It does. So. It gets weird. It's real weird.
Mulder meets Jason at the precinct where he's being released. Mulder arranged for his bail and wants him to see Lisa, who's at the research facility, frozen. Jason asks if it's about the old man and wants to know who he is. Mulder tells him the old man is him from the future. Jason looks surprised, but also like maybe it makes a strange sort of sense. Like it kind of explains everything. And he's like, oh, okay. Yeah. I was also confused at first how she got to the research facility because she was frozen. I was like, old man Jason carried her there. But then I realized they found her in the apartment and took her there. So, yeah, we got confused a little bit. But. Yeah. Mulder drives while Jason looks at the photo of him with Lisa and Yonichi. Mulder says if the pattern holds, he may be the next target. Jason says he's never met Dr. Yonichi, and neither has Lisa, so the photo must be altered somehow. But Mulder had a photo specialist examine it, and the specialist says it's genuine. Jason thinks he should get a second opinion. This is science fiction. Mulder points out so is his rapid freezing agent until two days ago. He implores Jason to consider the evidence as a scientist. How could someone possess a compound that doesn't exist? Jason asks why someone will be trying to prevent his compound from existing. Mulder doesn't know yet. He thinks it must have something to do with the practical application of the compound and how it relates to time travel. Mulder says Stephen Hawking and others have theorized about the possibility of wormholes in time travel, but things like heat and gravity would render the trip lethal for any living organism. Jason asks if he's saying his compound would make that possible. Mulder thinks eventually, yes. Jason asks, why stop time travel? Mulder is hoping that that's what the old man can tell them. Dun dun. <laughs> dun dun. I was wondering if Mulder's photo specialist was Burks. Oh, but maybe. Then he does, but he's, well, he says she. Oh, okay. So so he said right. she said it's genuine, so it wasn't him. So, but I was kind of in my head, I was thinking like, oh, especially because like Burks is kind of sketchy. And so I was like, yeah, he, who knows if that photo is fake? But yeah. So then we're back at the biomedical research facility and at the lab, Jason scans, he puts his palm on the thing. It's all and then they go through the doors and the security guard's like, wait, something's wrong. According to this, you're already in the building. <gasps> so Mulder tells Jason to get Scully and warn her that the old man is already there and that she's in the frostbite bay with Lisa. So Mulder's going to go try and find him, I guess. Not going I guess. Anyway, they're resuscitating Lisa like they did with Yunichi, but when her temperature starts to go up, they put her back in the tub to cool down, which I'm not sure how that works, because, like, that's the tub that they used to warm them up, so if anything, that would, uh, I don't know, anyway. Also, her temperature gets up to where Yunichi's was, and she's not, like, getting boils and convulsing like he did, so maybe she just made her sterner stuff. I don't know. Uh. Maybe women are stronger than men, honestly. So, <laughs> anyway, Mulder goes into another lab, and he finds a research assistant in his office and asks if he's seen a man in his 70s. And the research assistant is like, no, just a maintenance guy who fixed the fan. I'm not sure if that was supposed to be him because then he's like, but it wasn't a good in the 70s. So I'm not sure what the whole maintenance guy even has to do with the story. Anyway, yeah. he asks if this has something to do with Dr. Nichols. And Mulder says, do you have access to his files? And he's like, I do. And he's like, okay, pull up all his information about rapid freezing compound. So the guy's like, okay. And he sits down and pulls them all up, whatever. Anyway, Scully calls and tells Mulder that they got Lisa resuscitated. And her body temperature is still high, but she seems to have stabilized for now. And they show her, and she's, like, in the tub, and she's all smiling. She's like, yeah, this feels good. <laughs> anyway, Mulder asks if Jason is there, and Scully's like, no. And he's like, he should have been there five minutes ago. And Scully's like, well, where is he? And the research assistant is like, oh, my God. And Mulder's like, hang on, I got to call you back. So then the research assistant tells Mulder that Jason's data is gone. Like someone completely erased it from the mainframe. So then Mulder runs out the door. Oh, no, he's deleting the data. Yep. And then we see Jason and he finds the old man in another area using the computer, probably in the mainframe room. And he tells him, I figured this is where I would go to stop myself. So he's totally embraced it all now. And old man Jason says, I don't have much time. Please let me finish. And he's like, let you finish destroying my work? And then old man Jason is like, it's my work too. And then Jason's like, how do I go back in time and save Lisa? Because he thinks Lisa's dead because she got frozen. And old man Jason says, like, you don't understand the world she created, the one that we helped her to create, where anyone can know the future, and there's no history or hope. 
And Jason grabs him by the shoulders again and is like, I got to go back and save Lisa. So he apparently really loves Lisa. He wouldn't lie to her. And old man Jason is like, I can't tell you. And Mulder comes running down the hall and the room he can't get into it. It's all big old plexiglass room for some reason. That you, so you can see everything, but you can't get in. And... <laughs> Those are so popular on TV <laughs> and you never see them in real life. But they're they're so good for yeah. television. Mulder's like banging on the glass, calling his name. But I guess they can't hear either inside. I'm not sure. And he's like, Lisa's, oh, I guess he can because he tells them that Lisa's alive and not to hurt him. And if he hurts him, they'll never know the truth. And Jason's like, she's okay. And then old man Jason grabs him from behind and like almost like he's gonna give him the Heimlich maneuver and puts his around his chest. And he's like, it's better that we never were. And he drags him backwards. And then Mulder grabs a fire extinguisher and starts beating on the glass and breaks a hole through it. But then somehow old man Jason catches on fire, probably because he didn't reject himself. And then Mulder just stands there and watches them burn, even though he was holding a fire extinguisher. So <laughs> funny because i didn't connect the fire extinguisher <laughs> thing i just i want when i watched this i was so confused because i hadn't put together that he had to inject himself to cool himself down like i couldn't figure out i thought oh. he was injecting something to stabilize himself but i didn't i didn't make that connection and so i didn't understand where the fire started so i was very confused i was like did he set himself on fire like what happened but yeah, yeah, so it's like he used the human torch except right. for he has to like keep himself cool because unlike the human torch if he burns he'll burn so mm-hmm. yeah yeah so EMTs roll Lisa out on a stretcher. Scully explains how they kept her in the bath to keep her temperature down, saying she proved her own theory about the instability of the compound. Lisa says the old man said he was Jason. Scully admits there's been some evidence she's had trouble explaining herself. He was Jason, Lisa says. Scully tells her that Jason is dead. There was a fire in the mainframe room. She's sorry. And then the EMTs put her in the ambulance. Nice bedside manner there, Scully. Yes. <laughs> By the way, he's actually dead. So good luck. Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. So Mulder comes out of the building and Scully asks if they found the second body. What? Mulder's- I know. Weird. The body's gone? Yeah. Mulder says no and he doesn't think they will. But he knows what he saw and what he believes happened. Even if it can never be proven, she asks. Never is a long time, Scully, Mulder says. Then he quotes Scully's paper again about multidimensionality and how the future can't be altered. Scully says she was 23 when she wrote that. But Mulder thinks if he's right, Jason's attempts to stop his own research will fail and eventually his compound in time travel will be discovered. Mm. And then later we see Lisa working on a computer in the lab and she's working on Compound X. Oh, no. Yeah, not good. Just like the Terminator movies. They just keep letting crazy scientists build stuff for the future that's going to come back and bite us in the butt. So. Yeah, exactly. Also, she admitted that she lied to, like, get grant money. And how come they didn't bring that up? Because obviously she still got grant money because she's still working on this. So why Yeah, don't, I don't know. Why don't you just yeah. give an evil scientist future information so they have a goal to work towards? Come on. What are you doing? So, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and then I still I'm still having trouble with the whole like it's been 40 years and I get it 40 years a lot. But like the appearance and voice have changed so much that you don't like I would think the voice even more so than the appearance like you would recognize the voice. And yeah, like, I would think thing. so, too. But eh, I don't know. Yeah, it's TV, I guess. So yeah, people think about that kind of stuff. I'm also confused why time travel is apparently cheap enough that anyone can just do it whenever they want. And that's what caused this horrible. Well, he's world. a famous scientist because they worked on they built this, right? Like, it's yeah. they're the ones who created he it. He can, but he says he says something about how, like, everyone is traveling all over. And, well, know, I mean, you know, it's, it's like the Internet. The Everyone's got the Internet now. I mean, it's eventually going to get yes. out. I guess that's true. Chinese people are going to steal it and just make bootleg copies and then you know. <laughs> bootleg time travel. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure you'd want to use, maybe? End up like the fly. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, I mean, time travel, mm, yeah. I don't know. But that's where I think, like, I would be bad at time travel. We talked about that a little bit in our, well, actually, we didn't. I said I was going to, and then I didn't. But in our Anastasia episode, because have, being able to, like, I, it's hard for me to, like, I've actually seen some comedy skits about like Captain America when he goes back in time to stay with, you know, Peggy. And then she's like reading the newspaper and like, you know, trying to get him to tell all her stuff. And he's like, no, I can't. And he's like, oh, John F. Kennedy is going to be in Dallas. And he's like, spits his tea out. And it's like, because <laughs> he's trying not to change the future. Right but say, like, yeah. like, it would be super hard to not change the future. So, yeah. 
It would be really hard. And like this episode kind of supposes that you can't, that things will just realign to do whatever is supposed to happen anyway, which I don't know if that's true. But if that's true, I don't understand if time travel messed everything up. I don't know. But there's also weird paradoxes because that photo exists, right? And then if he died, how did he come back in time to do yeah. that well so, did like, he die because he disappeared so well, did he die well who, or did he well, who died back? like i'm assuming the old man's body disappeared oh i thought it yeah that's what i thought yeah yeah and so I but think then he, jason died so how could jason come back in time as an old man if oh, he's dead gotcha. now okay yeah i don't know and Again, they didn't do the whole like back to the future thing where like you know people faded out of the photos like you started fading out of the photo or something uh-huh. after he died so yeah so there are some contradictions as well in yeah this. well so. time travel is confusing there's this really funny episode of community it's one of my favorite episodes of community actually um that is not about time travel it is about conspiracy theories and like anyway but the dean is apparently writing a book and like there's one point where he's like on the floor in a hoodie and he's huddled and he's like rocking back and forth and he's just like time travel is really hard to write about because he's just kind of having a breakdown and I'm like yes time travel would be very hard to write about <laughs> because it's it's confusing because yeah again everything you do creates like all these problems so yeah it's not a fun plot device yeah in that respect well, and what's that? I can never remember the name of the movie. It came out in the early, I want to say in the early two, Primer. That's what it is. I just looked it up on the internet. Primer, the that movie, where people have gone through and tried to map because they keep coming back to like try to stop each other from making the time machine they make. And oh. so people have actually had to, people have actually tried to go through and keep track of like where in the timeline, because they keep like, it's just it's super recursive and keeps doing stuff. And people have been like made all these super convoluted maps about like where all the people are coming from at what stage in time and stuff like that so it's kind of yeah you know what's funny is i've been watching the new quantum leap too oh um which has uh what's the guy who plays um ernie hudson ernie hudson Mm -hmm. he's he's in it and also mason alexander park is in it and so i've been watching it it's really good who is ernie hudson playing i remember we talked about this i think in one of our ghostbusters episodes is he playing yeah He's playing, the guy's name is Magic. He's the guy who runs the Quantum Leap program. And he was friends with Sam and Al. Okay. And Al has passed away and Sam is lost to time. So he never got back. And so like they're trying to redevelop the project so that um, they can use it, but also so maybe they can find him. I don't think that's their main goal, but like ideally that would be great if they could bring him home. Uh-huh. And then one of the scientists working on it, Ben Song, he he leaps before the program is ready and they don't know why and he can't remember why. And it turns out that he's, we learn as the series goes on, spoilers if you want to watch it like forward, like 15, 30 seconds or something. But like we learned that there's another time traveler leaping, which is why Ben had to leap. And like he's trying to like, there's a group of people trying to do like undo the good things that happened because their goal is to undo the bad things and help people. And so like, there's a group that's trying to undo the good things and make things bad. And so like, it's just like it's two groups fighting because they travel through time and this weird system. But anyway, it's actually really good. I've really enjoyed the new season of quantum leap. Um, So if anyone is interested, I think it's, it's fun to watch, but yeah, it is, it does create like time travel problems because like there's an episode where they meet one of the characters dads and it's like, how do you, you got to be careful not to fuck that up. Like, yeah. Anyway. Cause I remember we were wondering if Ernie Hudson was going to be playing like the owl character, but yeah, he's sort of, no, he's mostly just running the program. So is this saying that the original show is still the original show and this is like a continuation or is it actually like a reboot? Like it's a continuation because the- they're saying that the original because the in this in this world now like Al has passed away and so okay. like he was okay yes yeah, so and Sam is gone Sam is lost forever and they've never found him so it is a continuation okay in that when you said Al was passed I started thinking like oh shit so is this like the other show exists and so it's it's all the same universe and so it is like, the same universe yeah which I think is a really good way to go about so it in theory Scott Bakula could show up at some point in this show <laughs> that would be cool. That'd be so cool. Oh. I don't know if you will, but yeah, it's been a really good season. I've really enjoyed watching Mason Alexander Park actually as Ian. I think it's been really cool, but like everyone in the cast is great. It's been really entertaining. It's good. Interesting. It's okay. Good. So it's not a reboot. It's actually just like a keep going. Yeah. It's like a, yeah they're just like the next generation. <laughs> the story. Like, yeah. Yeah. QL, which I thought was a cool way to TNG, do it. sort of. Yeah. Sort of, yeah, exactly, which I always appreciate. I think that's better than trying to reboot and redo things all the time. <laughs> cool. 
Yeah. I assumed I it was just a reboot and like it was going to be like someone else playing Sam and someone else playing Al and so Yeah, yeah. it's kind of what I thought too, but I was like, well, it's got Ernie Hudson and so like let me check it out. But yeah, no, it's a continuation. Cool. All right. I mean, I don't have anything else to say about this episode. It was yeah i mean it was fine it wasn't the worst x-files episode it was confusing at times but like i said time travel is confusing and yeah whatever it's kind of weird because the time travel like the time travel obviously is important but it's like that's not really the x-file in a way it's this weird chemical mm-hmm. that is it's like this the weird X- freezing agent yeah so it's kind of weird it's like it's like the time travel is just incidental in what happened in the episode sort of kind of strange um, I would expect more like time travelness, but there wasn't too much. So, yeah. what are you gonna do? Yeah, it's not the worst episode we've had, and I feel like this is probably one of the the weaker episodes here at the end of season four. So, okay, but we'll see what you think. Well, this episode's <laughs> kind of like small through. potatoes. <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> that's next episode. Oh, I did not know that. Is the next yeah. episode? Oh my god, what order? Yeah, I think going? next episode is small potatoes. Yeah, episode twenty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was oh. a yeah, I'm all about the puns in this one. <laughs> so I'm not sure if they're puns, if they're just jokes that don't work. Whatever, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I want to rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded in collaboration with Black Cat and Orange Tuxedo Studios. Episode production design and editing is by Lazy End Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz. And the truth is what we make of it by the agrarians. This is where we talk about the X-Files, as well as what we like to call X-Files adjacent television films. And if you like what we're doing, tell a friend. Mm-hmm, please do. Speaking of which, be sure to join us next time, and together we'll try to figure out if, if the, the truth, truth is, is still, still out there. there. Eating kibble. I don't know if you can hear that. Uh, I don't know. That's, uh, that's probably fine.